You're listening to the Desperation Podcast, a generation in desperate pursuit of God. www.desperationonline.com. Let's pray together. Father, we love you so much. And God, we want to be authentic disciples of Jesus. We want to, today and tomorrow, and for years to come, follow you with 100% of our lives. Our dollars, our time, our affections, our relationships, our mornings, our afternoons, our nights. God, every, everything that we have, we want to be yours. Every, every, all of our energy, every decision. And God, we don't want to make excuses for a half-hearted life at the end, God. We want to stand before you one day and have given all. And so, Lord Jesus, would you help us tonight as we, as we, as we talk about your power, as we, as we delve into this tonight. God, we want to be a living expression of Christ on the earth. We want to be true disciples in 2008. And so, God, we ask that you would help us, God. We need divine strength to really do it. We thank you for what you're going to do. Amen. I had a, uh, uh, a phone call on Monday night. Uh, requesting prayer and um, and so when you get something like that you always say yes and 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 I found myself praying for a scenario in a situation where it wasn't just a common prayer request it was like there was with but he's a uh, he wrote a book called screw tape letters and in it it was basically a conversation between Satan and a high-ranking demon and so it's obviously allegorical it's it's not re- it's just it's it's theoretical but it's interesting because when you read this dialogue, you know, when you read, you know, Satan talking to a demon on how to trick mankind, it, it's just, it's enlightening because so often it's, it's, it's where we live. It's the skepticism, the doubt, the fears that we live in. So there's this line that screw tape Satan says to Wormwood, the high-ranking demon, he says, if we can get one generation to not pass on the truths to the next, we can defeat Christ's people. There are stories of God moving throughout history. There are stories, whether you read the stories of, in the scriptures or the early church, the biographies of the missionaries, but, there, but if you just... Go to Amazon or go to half.com and start looking it up. There's biographies like crazy. There's Christians throughout, you know, history that have seen God move. I remember as a child going to church and hearing missionaries from Africa talk about miracles and thinking, wow, unbelievable. Is that even possible? I remember hearing stories of people that were actually healed. And I don't know about you, but you know, my temptation is always to doubt it. Because until it's true in my experience, my, where I'm at is I doubt it till I see it. And if that is you, my advice is not, hey, just carte blanche, believe the next Yahoo that tells you something. My advice to you is, if you want it to be true in your reality, then pray for it and do the necessary thing that Jesus says is necessary to see God move. It's things like faith. It's things like prayer. 
stepping out of the comfort zone. And I'm not talking about comfort zone, you know, necessarily meaning uh, our, our financial scenario or our comfort. I'm talking about it's risky to get out there and to put your heart out there and actually believe that the God who said that he would invade our natural lives really will do it. Because it's more comfortable to just create this idea of God, not invite him to supernaturally step into your life and just be comfortable where you're at. But when you allow him to invade in terms of miracles, in terms of believing that, it's, it's uncomfortable. It's not easy. And that's why it's so easy for us in a church, in America, in a comfort zone where so much of our needs are met without miracles to never really press because realistically we don't know if we really need them. Let the chips fall where they fall, I'm fine. I'll be fine. My mom and dad were fine. Their parents were fine. My parents have a retirement account, a nice house. I'll probably be fine too. That's not the way of the kingdom. The way of the kingdom is whether you have a nice house or a shack, you're believing in faith for miracles. Whether you're a janitor or the president, you're believing for miracles. And that's hard to stay aggressively after, but it is the way of the kingdom. It is the way of the Christ follower. It is the way that we're called to live, as uncomfortable as it is. I just imagine what it's like for average tax collectors and fishermen to then be commissioned by Jesus to do these things. Jesus dies on a cross, he raised from the dead, he sends to heaven. And then all of a sudden, there they are left to be the expression of Christ on the planet. And to spread the good news of Jesus, you know, Acts 1.8, Jesus says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and to the ends of the earth. You're going to be my witness. A witness is someone who tells what they've seen and they've heard. I've got good news for you, friends. Today, we're the witnesses. But how awful if we haven't seen much or we haven't heard much because the way that we experience and know God today is through the Holy Spirit, but we, in all of our confusion, don't create room and invite him to invade our lives. It's so common to claim the good news of Jesus as I'm a Christ follower, but we're not fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. We haven't seen much. We haven't heard much. And yet we'll get on an airplane and go to another country to tell the good news. But we get there, we've got no power on our, in, our, in our heart. We've got no miracles in our hands. We've got very little faith. We don't want to be that. No. No, we want to be the ones that whether we're here or we're getting on a bus or a plane to go somewhere... We're fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit, so we have, we've seen miracles. We've seen things. We've seen things in the scriptures. We've seen God move. We've heard the Holy Spirit speak to us, and there's fresh prophetic ideas in our heart and our head. There's power in our midst. Real power. Not flaky power. Not made-up power. Not pretend power. Not where we put on a display in order to feel good about ourselves. But I mean, Really? And the crazy thing is that God will meet us when we do these things, but there's no timetable, you know? I mean, what's crazy is that, like, I look at the way that the furnace has been praying for years and years and years and years. And I'll tell you this, there are definitely some times where the kids will come from desperation. They'll go back to a couple things, and 16-year-olds will see far more miracles than we've seen in seven years. And they'll see it in the first week. It's not a fair trade. No deal. 
But you know what? When we're doing this in God's economy, God goes, I'll do it my way. And our call is not, hey, I'm doing this for something. We don't do it for something. We do it because he's called us to. And there are good days and there's bad days and there's days where we see miracles and there's times where we go 10 years and we don't. But no matter what, we're going to stay consistent believing. And when we stand before God one day, that's where we want to live. We're going to stand before God and who knows, who knows that we might, I'm making this up, but who knows that we don't stand before God. We see him face to face. And rather than defining ourselves as successful because we saw miracles and we lived maybe on the mission field or maybe you had a, you know, some kind of, you know, your own 501c3, you know, healing ministry. And so you can do A, B, and C and you've got all these stories. Who knows, but maybe we stand before God. And we lived with the kind of faith to believe for it, even though we never saw it. And he goes, well done. You lived in the most wealthy the most uh, uh, prone to entertainment nation in the history of the world. And it was so hard to live in that environment and believe for miracles. But you're 70 years on the earth. You lived with it. And some of these people in these little tribes, they saw it. But you, you lived with faith even in the midst of an entertainment-saturated, godless society, and you believe for it. Well done. I care more about that day than I even care about seeing the miracles right now. I pray that it happens. But you know where I'm at? I'm at, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. And I don't know how much is going to be added. I hope there's a lot added. But it matters not. We're going to seek first the kingdom. And let God add on whatever he wants to. And we're going to press for it. We're going we're to keep our hearts soft when it comes to miracles. Keep our hearts soft when it comes to the power of God. It'd be fun for you to read some biographies. Go, go read them. Talk about them. Read stories of Charles Finney and David Brainerd and John G. Lake and John Wesley. Finney Seprazee. Just go study them. Why not? Well, I got too much algebra to do. I'll tell you, this will move you. Instead of reading the fiction of the day, you know, the latest and greatest fiction, go read the stories of what God has done through people that lived in faith. And then allow that Keep your heart soft. I know what it is to be like everybody else and just allow cynicism to take over. I know. I know that's your temptation. You're 21 years old now. Wait till you're 41. Wait till you're 51. Wait till the majority of your friends just want to talk about a plethora of things other than the power of God. How do we get it? How do we see more of it? What, what, what can we do tangibly? I was uh, 23 when I went with some of my friends down to Mexico and visited David Hogan. And uh, he's a missionary down there. And, um, we just had an interesting moment where he asked us if we had any questions. He's a guy that's seen lots of miracles. 
I don't even know the level of all the miracles that he's seen. There's lots of different stories. But there's lots of them. I mean, he introduced me to a lady that had recently been raised from the dead. <laughs> I was like, hi, <laughs> tell me your story. <laughs> and what's your testimony? <laughs> but I asked him this question. I said, you know, tell me, why do you believe that you see more miracles here than we see in America? It seems weird that God would do something more geographically in one area than another, and it seems like America has more churches and money, and we're doing a whole lot of stuff, and we got all kinds of Christian stuff going. We got more Christian t-shirts and singing vegetables about Jesus, and you know, like, we got everything. We got a lot. Why? And realistically, the answer that he gave has impacted my life in a pretty dramatic way. He said, I won't act it out because it's pretty scary. This is big old massive. Well, everybody's big and massive to me, but he's, he's probably six, six, three, six, four, and uh, wranglers and kind of got this cowboy-like demeanor. He goes, son. I was like, oh, come on. I'm a pastor. I'm a grown man. I got a mortgage, you know, like. No, he's, and he said, son, how many hours a day do you pray? I was like, oh, man. And then he goes, boy, how many days a week do you fast? And we had a little interchange that's quite embarrassing, so I'm not going to repeat it. But he told the story of how he and his community of believers there have seen all kinds of miracles and for 20-something years, they've been fasting every other day for 20 years. For 20 years, fast one day, eat the next. Fast one day, so that when they stand before God, they've fasted half their life. And then he said, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why you don't see miracles. He said, because you love your whopper more than you love God. You know, right there, I needed to read the bait of Satan real quickly so I wasn't, you know, having any offenses. But it's true. The principle is true. Because the principle is that if we want to see the power of God, we'll see more if we'll take physical expressions of faith. It's an expression of faith when you choose to fast and pray instead of eat. It's a statement of faith because only Looney Tunes do that for fun. It must be that God is intervening. It must be that there's more to be had by those that choose a lifestyle of taking the risk and counting on God that just maybe your word is true. And I'll take it for what it says. And I'll believe. Let me read you this story, Mark 9, 14. And when, his disciple, and when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered this, teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. 
and wherever it seizes him, it, thro it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples, and they should cast it out. I'm sorry. So I spoke to, with your, to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. Just imagine being the old fisherman boys at that moment, you know. Not too long ago, you're asking Jesus if you can sit at his right hand with him in glory. <laughs> and then the father comes and says, I asked your disciples if they could cast out the demon and they couldn't. I, that's an embarrassing moment, I think. You're like, sorry. <laughs> he answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I, shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him and when he saw him immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground and wallowed foaming at the mouth so he asked his father how long has this been happening to him and he said from childhood and often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him but if you can do anything have compassion on us and help us Jesus said to him if you believe all things are possible to him who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. When Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter, and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into his house, his disciples asked him privately, Why could we not cast it out? And he said to them, This kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. You know, and matter of weeks, we're going to get on a tour bus and do nights of worship and prayer, nights of desperation in city after city after city. And as I was reading this today, I thought, it's kind of similar when a youth pastor invites us to come to his city and does all the work to take care of us. And imagine us going in there with these kids and our whole goal is to see them fall in love with Jesus, get set free from the lusts of the age, the demons of the, age, of the day. Imagine if we go in and we go to lay hands on the kids and pray for them and there's no power. And the kids that came in struggling with sexual perversion leave that night still choosing sexual perversion. And the kids that came in that night bitter towards mom and dad leave again bitter. And the kids that are filled with shame and pain leave again. Why? Well, I took them to your disciples, but they couldn't cast out the demon. Jesus says, well, this kind comes out through prayer and fasting. Friends, I don't want to go on the road in vain. We're not going to do a show. We're not going to sell Jared Anderson's records. We're not going so that you can have a good trip. We're not going 
because we want to fill our time schedule and we want to do something for the kingdom so that on graduation day we can say, hey, we did something for God. We want to fast and pray day after day after day. And when we show up in some little town somewhere and some young man comes, he's demonized and filled with the hatred and sexual perversion and anger and bitterness and hurt and shame where we lay our hands and we say, come Lord Jesus, and the kid is set free. That's why we do what we do. When we jump on 747s and go overseas, we don't want to go just to get an airplane meal and get our, some, take some pictures and say we did something. I think that's puke in God's eyes. If that's our motivation, we should never go. We want to walk into a school, a church, a tribe, a family, and have the power of God in our to get over there and to have something to say. Have the Holy Spirit alive in us. And whether it be healing that's needed, whether it be someone to herald the good news of Jesus to someone who doesn't know, or someone who only knows with their head, but they have never encountered with their heart. We show up and there's power. The power of God. I don't want to live. I don't want to live without that. I don't want to live like a shallow Christian with a label on my face that says saved in the vault of heaven, but there's no power, there's no authentic reality of Jesus oozing out of us. First Thessalonians 1.5, Paul says, hey, we came not just with word, but with power. It's easy to show up with good worship songs and some tracks and some t-shirts that say Jesus on them. And we want to show up with the power of God. We want to show up and any 21-year-old that's praying for students in the crowd has the power of God, the prophetic unction to declare to that kid what the word of the Lord is, the healing power to pray for the sick. But if we're going to be Christ followers in 2008, let's not settle for a little more comfort, a little more ease, a little more cushion. It takes sacrifice to fast, to pray, to risk your heart and keep believing. But the way I see it is when we come to the end of our journey, let's make that the end of our journey. We prayed for the miracle and we faced the pain of the miracle not happening. So we get up the next day and we come to the next time where it's the God-ordained path for us to believe for a miracle. And we give 100%. We pray, we fast, and we believe for the miracle. And the miracle doesn't happen. Two years later, we fast, we pray, we believe for the miracle. It doesn't happen. We fast, we pray six weeks later for the miracle. And I don't know if in your journey you'll fast out of a hundred times if you'll get one miracle or if you'll get 99. I don't care. When I stand before God one day, I want to stand before him and say, God, I believed. I lived in faith. And I didn't allow my interpretation what I could see with my own eyes 
to be the primary way that I live my life. I held true to the scriptures that what you said, the promptings of the Holy Spirit in my heart. I did the things of what I saw even in history of what others did. I used my mind, but in my heart, it stayed soft. I stayed believing. I stayed believing. We all know how hard it is to believe and fall and believe and fall and believe and fall and pray for the miracle and not see it and pray for the miracle and not see it. But I tell you this, the way of the kingdom, I'm seeking first Jesus. And maybe revivals come and maybe they don't. And maybe the miracles come and maybe they don't. Maybe the healings come and maybe they don't. Maybe I end up with the life I thought I'd had and maybe I don't but I'm going to believe the power of God no matter what. It's the word of God. It's the way Jesus told me to live. And I define my life based upon him, not based upon my good days and my bad days. We're going to contend. We're going to have faith for. We're going to fight for. We're going to believe for the power of God in our midst. I'm not going to show up with just words. You've just heard one of the speakers from Desperation, a ministry of New Life Church in Colorado Springs. For more information on becoming a Desperation intern, attending one of our conferences, or joining the Desperation National Network for local churches, visit us at desperationonline.com.